0: Thanks for tuning into the Refuge Church Sermon Podcast. It's our prayer that the Spirit would use God's Word to stir your affections for Christ during this time. While we're glad to provide this online content, please remember that it's not intended to replace commitment and connection within a local church family. Now, here's this week's message.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. Um, We're gonna do things just a little bit different this morning. Kids in Elevate, which is first and second grade, if you'd like to, you can head out back to the Elevate room. Um, And uh, and then if somebody wants to, we'll shut those doors. Not for any other reason than sometimes kids scream. Sometimes adults scream for different reasons. Um, <clears throat> this morning, I wanna, uh, we're, we're going to do uh, a time of question and response. We spent the last several weeks looking at the Apostles' Creed. Um, and so, uh, and I would get a number of questions for clarification and uh, people asking about well, what does this mean, and what does this mean, and what's in there, and what's not in there? And so uh, this morning we're going to do just a time of, of question and response as we wrap this up. We'll move to something uh, next week as well. But I want to read this, um, and uh, and then I just got a notification in the app. Submit your questions for this morning's I Believe Sermon Series Q&A. That's good. It's timely. Um, <laughs> Uh, So let me read this. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossae. Uh, Colossians is one of my favorite letters that Paul writes. I love it. It's succinct. Uh, I think Colossians, I think the city of Colossae was a lot like St. Louis. It wasn't like, Paul never actually went there, a lot like St. Louis. Uh, It was all the major ports and all the major transportation hub had gone north and there was a city up north that, whose baseball team was far inferior to Colossae's, but they got all like the big airports, and they got all the big transportation hub, and all that kind of stuff, and so Colossae was a, a city that once had prominence, and it kind of faded from prominence, And and uh, but, um, uh, but I, I love this letter, and Paul writes to them, um, and he's giving thanks for them, and he, he, uh, he's talking about just his affection for them, And he's talking about Jesus. He said, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then he goes into basically a creedal statement. He goes into an early church creed that they would have probably known and heard about who Jesus is. And so this is what he says in Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. He, talking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. So this is, this is a Greek concept, the idea of logic or the things that hold the world together. In Jesus, Jesus is the one that holds the world together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And this would have been an early church creed. This would have been something they had memorized and had said over, stated over and over again to deepen their knowledge of who Jesus was and, and exactly what all was involved in this, this guy that some of them had seen or heard stories about. What, who was he? He claimed to be this. What did that mean? And so this is an early church creed. And then Paul goes on to give the implications of that. And you, who were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And so, um, over the last several weeks, we've been going through the creed, the Apostles' Creed, and this, isn't, this is a church uh, statement. I'm going to have, where's, is, where's Eric? Oh, uh, Eric Van Dyne is going to come up, and we're going to, you can text or submit questions, uh, but we're going to go through, we've been spending the last several weeks walking through the creed, and the creed is, you can come up whenever, Eric. Uh, the creed is basically a summary of, of what we believe. And there are some areas that we'll get into. What about practical things? I don't want to take, uh, I know Eric has some uh, leading questions to start with. Um, But this is just going to be a time where we're going to interact with the creed, with each other. Uh, You can text questions and, uh, and if we need to get some clarification on some things or if you need to ask what's in there, what's not in there, how does that all work. So that's what we're doing this morning. Everybody okay with that? All right. Two things um, that I want to start off with of why I think this is critical: um, we have a gospel, we have a good, a, a we have good enough news to deal with weeks like we've seen. We have good news to to engage in a world that is hostile on both sides. We have a gospel that reaches into the very nooks and crannies of all of life. And, and it is not absent of those things. Um, there's a lot that happened this week. Obviously, uh, there was some tragic news, but there was tragic news even within my home denomination of the Southern Baptist Convention. There was some really horrific news uh, coming out of there. And the two lines that stuck out for me this week... Um, uh, I believe that Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. I am, we're in a day and age where we don't like judgment. I'm happy for it. Not because I will somehow stand before God and he'll be like, yeah, I think you did all right. I hope to stand before God and say, man, you better, you better be thankful for Jesus. And I'm like, I am. Very. But I also believe that sins that are hidden will be uncovered and justice will be served. And then the other one that stuck out to me this week I believe, church, we talked about this last week, I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. And death does not have the last word ever. Death doesn't have the last word. And so, um, that's part of what we believe. That's why we, that's why we go through this creed. That's why these uh, statements of belief are important. So, we're going to do some interaction. If you want to text questions, we can do that. Are you getting, are you getting, I try to buy a little time. Uh, and we'll take some time and walk through these uh, together and um, hopefully this will provide some, yeah, insight. All right, go ahead. Uh, there's
0: one, I wanted to start off with a question first and then uh, I got a couple here already. Um, so we've talked about the creed as, a, as an early statement of faith. Yes. Uh, that's kind of summarizing uh, a, lot of, a lot of beliefs there. What, how is that different than things that have now come after it, where we have um, catechisms and statements of beliefs that, that, that extend out much farther? Why is this, what makes this unique uh, as a creed, or any other creed that we may call
1: it? Yeah. Uh, so the thing that makes the Apostles' Creed unique is how early it's actually dated. Um, this, is, this is actually dated pretty early. It's probably not dated to the actual first apostles or disciples, but it, is, it does have early, early origins um, within the church. Uh, probably within the second century, they were already, and this was agreed upon. So if you can imagine uh, a creed, a, a common saying that was agreed upon in, I mean, for our day, A common statement that was agreed upon in Canada and America and New Zealand and Egypt and the Middle East. I mean, imagine these, and China, like imagine these radically different cultures agreeing on a common statement that early on. Um, What has happened since then is... uh, people have brought up, and rightly so, different concepts. The Trinity. The Trinity was something, you see it in the creed, you see these things listed in the, tree, in the, in the creed, um, but people actually bled and died over this idea of three, three, God, uh, th- three persons, three, one God and three persons, sorry, as I commit heresy. Um, three, three, one God, <laughs> Why am I starting with three? One God in three persons, um, and and how that was worked out is people would say, well, so obviously we have three gods, and then somebody would be like, no, no, that doesn't that would that's not that doesn't fit. Um, that can't be it. And then somebody else said, would say, you know, well, then we have one God, and he's just playing three different roles. And then we, just, we see the distinction of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And so they would, like, comb through scriptures. And it wasn't just, these are not just people offering insight on Twitter. I mean, so this, these were, like, deeply held uh, and, and, like, fought out. And, um, and so these elements of how to understand other things in, in scripture. And then we also have when, when people voice a disagreement. That is outside of Scripture. Then there's more. Uh, Rick Warren one time. This is not whatever. Uh, Rick Warren when they first started Saddleback Church said, "We don't want a church with all this, with all these bylaws and everything like that. We're just it's going to be simple and it's going to be you know pure." And I don't feel like I can see everybody over here. Um, and and that's what we're going to have. And then like five years in, they have a catalog of bylaws, right? Uh, or as Homer Simpson. Things that are fought out and disagreements that are had things that are fought out and disagreements that are had within within the church, you, you fight for agreement on that. And you look and go, somebody raises a question. Um, and in fact in our day now, there's questions about people are saying, Well, Jesus didn't really rise like physically, he just rose spiritually, and it's the spirit of the resurrection. And the Bible would say no. And the early creeds would say no. We believe in the resurrection of the body. Jesus rose again from the grave. And so um, those are things that, yeah, as people raise different objections, we go back to Scripture and find that. So I think catechisms then, as those develop, they would add more to it, but that's also like a question and response, a thing to learn, uh, and um, uh, that, that puts it in a form of a question and then, and then gives an answer. Good. So I hope that was. Yeah, I think that's
0: helpful to understand that this is, uh,
1: this is the, the faith,
0: as the apostles taught it, passed down uh, the core the core truth of that yeah, faith. Yeah, what's essential. Down as, And what's essential there. Um, so, several questions have come up, uh, at, I think, as we talked briefly before, about uh, the, the line in the creed of he descended to the dead. Yeah. So, um, I'll try to summarize here uh, several things, uh, and then you can maybe expand on that. Was there a time when hell didn't exist or wasn't open? Prior to Christ's death, death, was the place of the dead for all the righteous and the unrighteous? Or is it still a mystery? Or how do we, how do we understand that?
1: Yeah. So. All right. So, right. I, you, I, you're stupid to think this is not going to come up. I, I knew it was coming up. Not you're stupid. I'm, I would be stupid to not expect this question to come up. Um, let me qualify it first by saying this. I don't know. (laughs) Then, let me give you some things that I think we can see as hints from Scripture. One, our view of hell is probably more shaped by Dante than it is by Scripture. Um, We can read through Scripture, and we can see absence of God. We can see eternal judgment. We have those concepts in Scripture. But as far as, like, fire and brimstone, it's probably more shaped by Dante. Although, you have the weeping and gnashing of teeth. You have the lake of sulfur. You have those types of things in there. Um, uh, and I'm gonna, then I'm going I'm to explain um, what I think. So this is the book that we've been using as the, the guideline. And then he's got a thicker book that's an entire systematic, Michael Bird. Um, and this is not just him. This is some historic belief. So in the same way that we would say that the fullness of the resurrection is Christ's return to earth, uh, and, and then followers of Jesus being fully res- in our fully resurrected bodies, uh, life eternal on earth, uh, that he is going to return and restore the earth. It's not uh, Augustine was the earth's going to burn away and we're, we're getting out of here. Biblically, we see a better view of Christ's return and making the earth whole and us in it. So it means you're bucketless. Don't even worry about it. Like you'll have all of eternity to go to Niagara Falls, uh, Victoria Falls, any other famous waterfall, um, mountain ranges, beauty, all that stuff, and it'll be, it'll be glorious. Uh, and you will still have skyscrapers apparently, um, you know, because it'll be a city, it'll be a glorious city where Christ returns, the new Jerusalem. Um, in the same way, uh, if my understanding here is that there is a, uh, a punishment, there is eternal judgment from those apart from Christ, but as far as, as far as hell, that is also going to be the future domain where the, where the doors are locked and like that is a future dom- domain just like the, the restored earth is a future domain. And that it is still presently, um, there is, all ancient religions has this view of the land of the dead. Uh, and, so you have a, there is a concept of two distinctions within the land of the dead, the land where the wicked go and the land where the righteous go, um, and uh, so that there is this kind of I don't want to say intermediate state, but awaiting for the fullness of you know Paul would talk about sleep. Um, this is not the absence of judgment. This is not like that that uh, that that's not going to happen. Um, but but it seems to give some credence and that was such a common belief of the land of the dead that there is an intermediate state that's now uh, which we would call heaven um, and then the fullness of it will be the resurrection and, and, and uh, the resurrection and remaking of the earth. Um, and then there is judgment now and then an eternal an eternal judgment, an eternal separation, and even there, there's some different views of, uh, of what hell will be. Uh, I have found it helpful to steer clear of uh, trying to give an exact view of hell. I always like John Paul Sartre, I can't remember the name of his play that he wrote, but he's got three people in a room and one is trying to get the affection of one person. And they're more interested in the affection of this person. And this person is interested in the affection of this person. And then they realize the door is locked. Um, and it is eternity. They're like, this is hell. That it is uh, the itch that just gets more annoying and more unfulfilled and more. Uh, and, and then he concludes his play with hell is other people. <laughs> um, so bare minimum, Paul says one day every knee will bow. Um, I think that means every knee, and I think those who worship and love Jesus, it will be a day of glory, of bowing before him in awe and wonder and praise, and those who are against Jesus or insist on being their own savior and God, they will kneel in frustration and anger and bitterness, and then carry that out. I, so
0: I'll admit, this is that this particular area of, of death and hell and, and what, what do these areas mean and how, how does this all work together is not something that I have spent much time thinking through or reading through. Uh, and so when I encounter this line in the creed, my, res, my initial response is like, uh, I don't know about that. So maybe the, the better question is what, what should we do or how should we approach those things, whether it's in the creed or in scripture especially, where we encounter it and say, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, or something where we, we, we want to tend to disagree. There are other lines that are equally, I'll say, outlandish in the creed of, he was born of the virgin, right? Yep. And we just, that just kind of washes over me because I've been celebrating Christmas all my life, and I've been hearing this story for years and years and years, and so i just like, oh, yeah, of course. But there's not really an of-course-ness about that either, (laughs) right? Like, that doesn't... I'm not a bio major, but, yeah. I I did take a biology class in high school, and I don't think that's how it works uh, normally. So how do we approach something that's hard like that, um, whether in the Creed or in Scripture, where we might be initially repulsed or even frightened of what it might be?
1: Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. And, and really, that, that line, I mean, we've said it every week, and how many times does, does it jump out at you every week? Or do you, are you just like, eh, maybe, I don't know, maybe I just don't understand that. Um, it's, it's not a big deal for us, but it does kind of jump out. So I think there's two ways to approach it. It may not be extremely important for us in our day to have this idea of what happened to Jesus on Friday when he was crucified um, before Sunday, uh, and it may not be, and again, we talked last week about just we don't have much of a theology of death. We just have a quick, we, we don't wrestle with it very much. But the other question we should ask is, why was it important enough for them to include this in the creed? Why was this a big enough deal for them, for it to, to make it in? He talks about one of the mistranslations that happened in the 3rd or 4th century was to translate Hades in, uh, in hell. And that makes me theologically squeamish to think that Jesus actually descended into the place of eternal judgment. That, I get uncomfortable with that. Uh, but for him to go into the land of the dead and then walk out with the keys. Uh, and I think it's because they had, the idea of the land of the dead was a very common belief. And so if Jesus experienced everything that we would experience... Uh, in this life, what this shows is that Jesus also experienced everything we would experience in death. That he walked into the place of the dead, think less of a state of being and more of like a, like a location, and, and then walked out victoriously. Uh, is this essential to believe to be a follower of Jesus? Is this like the litmus test for who's in and who's not? Absolutely not. Is there room for disagreement on this? I really hope so. Um, but for me, when I started reading this, which has only been about a, maybe a year and a half that I've been exposed to this, that, that whole, like, thing, um, it really made sense, not only in what ancient cultures would believe, um, but also in what Jesus accomplished. And you think about, like, I don't know, like, the hymn... Uh, walking up to the prison guard and just ripping the keys out of his hand and then walking out and saying, guys, follow me. Um, That's powerful imagery. And I think theologically, much like the virgin birth, it makes sense. If you take the virgin birth out, you know, is that the litmus test for getting in? Uh, but if you take the virgin birth out, Christianity is gonna have a lot of questions, you're gonna have a lot of questions. There's gonna be a lot of issues within Christianity. For me, this really made sense in piecing those three days together in, in maybe what did Christ do? Now, what did that look like? Did he go and have like this you know, knockdown drag out with Satan and then you know walked out? You know, I I don't know. But I know that he descended, like he went into the grave. And then, and at some point he walked out of it, so. Yeah, I, I think that's helpful um, for, for
0: me um, because, because I like to think and read and study sometimes uh, to, to remember to not get lost in trying to figure out all of the mechanics of mm-hmm. what, what happened mm-hmm. and to trust uh, in, in what scripture uh, it says is true. Um, and especially to understand what Jesus has gone through on our behalf, and to yeah. understand that, that Jesus has gone through everything that we have or will experience, um, including death, yeah. and that He, in that, in His fullness, has entered into that completely, whatever the mechanics of that look like, yeah. um, and come through that victoriously. Yeah, I mean, even thinking, just a quick side tangent, thinking about the events of this week, uh, where we see just the brutality of humanity, I take comfort in the fact that I see Jesus. Experienced the brutal, the full brutality of humanity yeah. on the cross. He yeah. is not unfamiliar with things in this life. Yeah. He has experienced it all and come through victoriously, uh, given himself and then come through victoriously. So I find that helpful when uh, thinking, thinking about that of how has Jesus uh, experienced these things, and then what what comfort can that bring to us? Yeah. Whether it's in thinking about death
1: or all many other things that, that Jesus experienced. Uh, on our behalf. Yeah, so. and, and it also it ties some things together with that that Revelation 1 I think is where he talks about that he uh, he ascended with the keys to hell and t- uh, to death and uh, to death and Hades. Um, Psalm 139 where where David says where can I go from your ple- presence? Where can I flee? If I go to the heavens you're there. If I go to the depths of Sheol you're there. Uh, Sheol was the Old Testament name for for the land of the dead. Hades is the New Testament name for the land of the dead. And and yeah, the fact that that he has gone before us in literally every possible thing um, and has risen victorious. And that would be, for us, we don't get it. We don't, we don't, that's not a common view for us. And I think in, ancient, in the ancient world, it was a very common view, the idea of the land of the dead, which is why when you see how important it is to be buried with your fathers, to be, uh, you know, to be in your land and to have a land and occupy the land, all nations that was a huge deal because when you died, you went to the land of the dead in that land. It was like a different plane or a different, that, that was very common belief. And so if you died outside of that or if you died in enemy territory, that was, that was terrible. But to be buried you know, in the land or to conquer the land, which is why land was always a big deal in tying a nation with a land. Um, so it, 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 to me, it just fit really well, but also I think, I, I think it's not like, Scripture doesn't give us a detailed by you know account of what exactly took place, um, but it does give us some hints that I that I found compelling. I agree.
0: I agree, and I, I find that helpful as well to think through
1: think through it that way. Is that so let me ask this. Is that at least satisfactory? Or somebody like, no, I want play by play. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You can still email me and I can tell you in person that I don't know. <laughs> you, you can read the book yourself. Uh, no, But also, I, right. I, I think,
0: again, I'm reminded to be careful about not getting hung up on, yes. on the minutiae of some of these, on, on that particular issue or any of the other topics that we don't, that either Scripture doesn't speak directly to down in the minutia level, um, that, that we can still... See and know who God is, what His character is, yeah. and the things that He says that are true, and how things work, that yeah. we can still trust in that and put our faith in that, even without knowing down into the, the super fine detail level that yeah. God will. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, with I, I would definitely recommend this book if you're if you're interested, and if you want to go through it, I've, we've had a couple groups go through it. If you want to, if you're interested in doing uh, finding a group and going through this together, uh, I'd be more than down for that. Um, also, Surprised by Hope, which is a book by N.T. Wright, which blew my mind on the resurrection. Um, uh, He also wrote The Resurrection of the Son of God, which is 750 pages, where he spends the first 400 pages dismissing every other potential argument against Jesus didn't really die, that he didn't really rise again. And so that's the first 400 pages. And then the last 300 are about the the implications of the resurrection. You don't have to read that. If you read Surprised by Hope, like, it's fantastic. It's the summary version. Yeah. It's for us... (laughs) for my kind of brain. I agree. Okay, so pulling
0: up out of out of that topic, Good out of the end of the day. so I think not a whole lot of questions on specific lines and things coming out of the creed, but okay. I think a, a lot of at least in my brain and some of the, several of these questions about okay, what do we what do we do with this? Mm. And bring it into our everyday life. How mm. can how can this which I understand is not a substitute for scripture, but it's definitely I love the suitcase graphic, which is it's a it's the it's the short version of a lot of things that we hold on to that can help us that we can then go unpack yeah uh, but so how do we take something like this uh and and bring it forward into our into our day to day lives and i've got yeah, so I'll let you do that, and then I've
1: got a specific question that I'm okay frightened to ask uh so um yeah, here again, this, not, this is not a, uh, a substitute for Scripture. It really, di- it really gives us kind of a, a compact version of what the church fully agreed on. Uh, this is not going to give us a lot of the teaching of Jesus, but it's going to tell us why we should listen to the teaching of Jesus. Um, it's not going to tell us a whole lot in the area of ethics, but it's going to tell us who, who gave really the full moral and, and, uh, and holy ethic um, and why we should give that credence. Um, so, uh, and, and how that moves forward into our daily lives, uh, this, uh, Rich Mullins um, wrote the, the song, The Creed. I guess he didn't really write it. Uh, he sang The Creed. Um, but one of the things, if you remember when he does the, the chorus, uh, his chorus is, I did not make it, it is making me is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. Um, So when I see the creed, which, again, the creed should point us to Scripture. The creed is not a substitute. It's not meant to be a substitute. If people are like, well, I don't believe in the creed, I believe in the Bible. The Bible has creeds in it. Um, The Bible points, the creed believes in the Bible. (laughs) Okay? So that's like, that's the hope there. Um, And, uh, but, like, this should shape us. So, when we have craziness that ensues, and I we, we talked about this last week, but, and then the week before, uh, and then the, there's there is still a global war going on, and there's, there's still elements of a pandemic, and the wheat shortage that's going to be upon us, and all, like, there is, there is uh, the world is broken, and, and what we can see in Scripture, it always has been, um, that our hope is not an optimism. Um, And so when we encounter these things, my hope is that like, like this week, one thing that really just began to to not just sit in either despair or rage, the line that kept coming back to me was, I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. And that just kind of dripped on me this week. Uh, The other thing, when the SBC papers came out, and I read a list uh, that he will return to judge the living and the dead. No pastor sits unaccountable before God. No pastor sits unaccountable before God. And that includes me. And yes, that scares the mess out of me. Uh, I will not sit before God. On posi- I-, I will not sit unaccountable before God regarding doctrinal positions that I take regarding what we teach from Scripture, regarding how we handle, we won't handle everything absolutely right or correctly, but having the fear of the Lord before that, that Christ will return and judge the living and the dead. Christ will bring out, and here he's bringing out things for earthly judgment, but rest assured, some of these pastors that committed horrible abuses, they stood up every week and proclaimed the goodness and holiness of God and then committed horrible abuses. They will stand in judgment, and it will be harsh. And that gives me a fear of the Lord, not of vengeance. They will not stand in vengeance. They will not stand for me to judge. They will stand before the one who knows the heart, and I take comfort in that. That's how, to me, that's how the creed works on me and shapes me and that's how I can take these summary statements, and they both give hope. They give, they calm my vengeance and my anger. Um, they bring light into despair. They remind me who God is and what he's done. They remind me of the hope of Jesus. So, yeah. That's so good. I think, yeah, this is what, when we memorize this, and when we, um, one, one, uh, like, uh, I just finished the uh, biography of uh, Eugene Peterson, which is fantastic. And they talked about in his last days, he had uh, dementia. And, um, and what he would do in his last days, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't remember a whole lot of things, but they would watch him sit quietly and they could hear him talking. His whole life he worked on being silent before God and, and being in communion with God. He was not a perfect man, uh, by any stretch, he would be the last to tell you. He hated celebrity culture, which was funny when he gets a call from Bono who wants to talk to him, and he's like, who? Um, and, but he sat in his last days, even in dementia, and what they talked about is you could see this deep communion that he longed for his whole life. Even in dementia, the one thing that he could hold on to was this deep communion that he had worked with God. I think that's how it slowly just works into our veins, in our eyes and the way we see and the way we feel and where we're corrected and or rebuked or encouraged is when scripture in this nice summary suitcase begins to work on us and inform us we're not without hope.
0: Yeah, I, I agree and I I found it helpful to look at it as the creed, especially as a not as a an answer hammer to say, you know, this is what I believe and bam, that's the end. Yeah. But as as cues to help me think and ponder and meditate on what does it mean for the life everlasting. Yeah. Like to think about, to to explore that, and not just yeah not just in my own brain, but to explore where does this come from in scripture? How do I unpack that more fully, uh, and then figure out how does that how does that uh, again impact what I yeah, what I do and how I where I put my hope and
1: to think uh, in Jesus ways. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um. Maybe no just maybe we make this the last one. All right. Is that fair? Or whatever, I don't care. Yeah, I, I, I think the question here. I'll I'd try to I'll try to summarize it and pull
0: it pull it into that discussion. So the creed especially mm-hmm. uh, summarizes um, the, the the Trinity, but also the the God who is the authority over all things and created all things, and we see in Scripture uh, that, that it is His kingdom uh, that that has come and will come again, um, but this day and age. We are pulled, uh, and so this is my fastball right down the middle here. We're pulled, uh, whether it's politically or into uh, tribes and camps, in so many ways to, to give authority or to subscribe to other people as authority. So how do we, how do we navigate, be, as, as believers, as those who trusted in uh, the God of the universe, who, whose kingdom, part of this new kingdom, how do we navigate the other kingdoms of this world and the authorities there that we find there, and uh, and how do we submit uh, where we need where we're called to submit, and how do we stand firm when we're when we need to stand firm um, for the for the kingdom of which we're a part.
1: And you said this was a fastball. Well,
0: I didn't. Yeah, I thought I would. I didn't use the word politics in there, so I didn't want to I didn't want to trigger
1: you there. <laughs> One thing, gosh. Um, so there's there's probably a, f- a few different elements here that I think are important one is where we need to constantly be aware where our hope is and when we put our hope in the kingdom in any kingdom of this world uh our, that's where our allegiance lies and that's where our Uh, And so we can put our hope in the kingdom of God and function and submit and live in this world. And historically, under any possible political regime imaginable. Or or worldview or country. The church has thrived in China. The church was thriving in Africa. The church thrives in, I mean... uh, and so when our hope is in its proper kingdom, um, we can submit and, and speak with, I think, a proper... Uh, what's the... Uh, what's the... When doctors and patients and you're not... Transference, is that, what's, is that what that's called? What is it? Uh, not, not necessarily confidentiality. Where you're not like, you, you have an objective view of things. You can stand back, you can critique your own side, you can, uh, you're, you're able to, to say hard things about, you, you're able to have a prophetic voice to the culture because you're not in bed with one side or the other. Um, that's not doctors and patients, that's back to, anyway. Anyway. Um, The other thing, I think, is, uh, which kind of goes in line with this, is the idea of power. Um, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Um, so all, all power is his, but yet in his earthly realm, we did not see him seeking any earthly power. Uh, and, and he resisted the temptations of money, fame, um, celebrity, uh, any of those things. And so how we deal with power, like, collectively, when a church gets huge, when a people, when, when Christians, traditionally throughout the history of the church, things have not gone well when the church has had a lot of cultural power. Uh, historically, separating religion and, and king were almost impossible to do because every, almost every nation throughout history, the religion and, and kingship were tied together. Uh, And so, um, I'm I'm starting to ramble now. Uh, So how do we navigate this world? I I think one, um, very humbly. Uh, I think one thing for us to be aware of as followers of Jesus in this day when everybody's clamoring for, you know, who's got the Bible right? Which the left or the right, who's got the Bible right? Uh, the great news is neither, um, but like, hang on. I had I had a thought. I was tracking down, and then, uh, um. Oh, uh, humbly, uh, not looking in false dichotomies. Being able to walk in nuance. Being able to walk through, like if somebody says, you're either this or this, and you're able to go, or neither, or both. You, you either care about babies, or you care about moms, or you care about both. Um, th- so uh, that's what I love. Justin Giboney is does this, the AND campaign, um, where he, talks, he takes out the tyranny of the or. Uh, and the genius of the end—it's not usually in following Jesus. It's not usually one thing or the other. It's usually both. Um, not getting caught up in culture war stuff. Um, we can, when we see things that we may not be able, like for me politically, I don't know what is right. Like I don't know what a like, and if you, and if you tell me you do know exactly what's right politically, I will smile and nod <laughs> and be like. Cool. All, all political systems are going to be broken because they all involve, involve people. And and even the elimination of political systems are going to be broken because then, they all, then it's just radical individualism. Um, and so it's all, we've got to have a, a healthy skepticism of, uh, of all of that and yet um, we can see what is wrong. Sometimes we can have a much more firm grasp of what is wrong than we can know what's right. So I might not be able to say, no, this is right, and they're doing it wrong. But we can often go, "This is wrong." I don't know exactly what is right, but this is wrong. Um, and uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I
0: think the key, one of the things you said that I found, that I find helpful is <laughs> through a lot of stuff. <laughs> the wall. No, that's good. Is the that, that idea of assessing where are we putting our hope? Yeah. And I think it's, it's easy uh, to be tempted, uh, even with it, without knowing, without thinking about it, to put our hope in systems and things of this world. Mm-hmm. To say, I think I'm doing the most good, and I think this group is doing the most good, and therefore we will succeed in yeah. fixing this problem or that situation if we only, you know, if everybody would just do things this way, yes. we have the right answer. And I think it's easy to fall into that trap because we want to see, we want to see goodness. We want to see um, restoration happen. We want to see flourishing in life. Yeah. And it's easy to get caught up in uh, specific things uh, that that may or may not be, uh, that we're putting our hope in those things being accomplished yeah. that more than we are in the God who will accomplish all of the
1: restoration in His perfect time. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to bring out, I was listening to a podcast, a guy talking about, um, and and as you were talking this, refresh that, uh, talking about the Brothers Karamazov, which I already had a conversation about that this morning. I have not finished it, so I'm not going to quote the Brothers Karamazov. I'm trying to finish it. Um, But one of the things he said in this podcast was, people don't really want, we say we want freedom. But really, when you evaluate the human, like what we see, more often than not, we want security. We want, like, I want me and my family to be safe. I want my retirement to be safe. I want our people, which can vary from time to time, I want my, that, I want security. I want to know that I'm safe. Uh, (laughs) As a heartbroken Blues fan, you know, this, when, we, when we look at the world, like the, ref, the refs have never cheated for my team, right? The refs have never cheated for my team. They always cheat against my team. If, you, if you're a sports fan, you know this. Regardless of who, you, our teams could be playing each other, but the refs have never cheated for my team. They've always cheated for your team. Um, and that kind of sets up. When we find our security in... God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. When we find our security that Jesus descended to the dead and he rose again, when we find our security that he will come to judge the living and the dead, we're able to look at the rest of the world and go, This is not my security. This is not my safety. This is not my hope. So I can participate, but it, like when we talk about money every week, if money and God switch places, it is horrible. When money is in its proper place, uh, and God is in his proper place, then we can, we can deal with that. Um, and so when we find our safety and security ultimately in our hope in Jesus, then we're able to navigate uh, things like politics, things like being wrong, um, going back and going, you know what, I was wrong about that. Uh, things like, shoot, I mean, sports Stuff and where we, where our heartache is and where like when when our security rests in Christ alone, which is hard. That's a daily battle. When our security rests there, then we're able to see the world with much more uh, open eyes. Uh, we're able to walk into things that might be mysterious, and we're we we do not have to have the answers, um, and we don't have to be so self protective. Yeah,
0: and I think we don't have to. It doesn't mean that that because our hope is in is in Christ and his coming kingdom that doesn't mean that we have to withdraw we are still called to uh, to the good works that that God has prepared beforehand for us to do but holding on to what those good good works may look like and turn into loosely i think yeah. as as we to, so that my hope doesn't get wrapped up in this good thing that that
1: i've been doing uh, yes but but more so to say we can bear the image of Jesus while resting assured that we are not Jesus correct that's good yeah that's good.
0: I think we're at time here, so. Is there, a, uh, no, There's no more uh, short questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Is there any more uh, like deeply important? Like where salvation is I, on the line? I don't. I don't think so. Any heretics? I don't in think there? so. Okay. That <laughs> we need to straighten out. Yeah. All right. Um. So, uh. Here's where I want to finish, and I'll pray. And I think Jeremy's uh, going to do communion. Two years ago, or two and a half years ago, when when the church became scattered, it was—I might have even been your idea or Joel's idea. Joel—it's Joel, probably Joel's idea because the creeds are always Joel's idea. Um, <laughs> uh, when the church was scattered, when we couldn't gather uh, together here. Um, and uh, we'll just say Joel, we'll just give credit to Joel, uh, that, um, and he said, we need to start saying the Apostles' Creed every week. And that became part of our weekly liturgy. And I loved it. And, I, and I, any time we've brought that in, and uh, when we started doing it, it was kind of like, why haven't we done this? Why haven't we done this all the time? And one of the things that we'll say on occasion when we say the Apostles' Creed together is that this unites us We don't sit here in complete unity. We sit here as a whole bunch of different stories from different backgrounds, different experiences, all of these things. What brings us together is this common belief. Um, So we sit here in harmony. And it unites us together as this local expression called refuge. It also unites us together with many churches throughout St. Charles and St. Louis that some may look like us and act like us and vote like us and some that don't. And this creed unites us together in faith and trust. Uh, this creed unites us together. This creed unites churches around the world. Um, and people that will say, I adhere to this, I adhere to what is in, th- in this creed, which is ultimately, again, hopefully you're not hearing me say uh, that this is equivalent to Scripture. But this is our, our view of Scripture Uh, that we hold to this. Not unexamined, but examined, we hold this. And it puts us together with people around the world. So we have more in common with people in Africa and people in China and people than we may have with people that live next door to us or even with people that live in the same house as us or with our own relatives. And this unites the church throughout history. And I think this is amazing. This creed has gone through regime changes it has lasted through uh, through horrible periods of time. Um, it has lasted uh, in through corruption, through wickedness, through evil deeds on behalf of the church and uh, evil deeds against the church. This creed has lasted in di- various cultures, uh, in different ways of seeing the world. Um, and so, when we say this. Um, In our confession, in our belief, when we start off, when we say, I believe, uh, I love what Darden said, Uh, I think Joel said it as well, like, we really should say, when we say, I believe, we are doing it collectively, saying, we believe, and this has unified the church throughout the world, throughout history, Um, the greatest, most diverse, uh, in in the existence of man, this is the most diverse I don't know, organization uh, ever. And this is what unites us together um, is, is, is this. So when we say this, and on a weekly basis, when we say this together, refuge, what I want you to hear and see, uh, in addition to some of these, like I don't know how many of you last week after we talked about the resurrection, how many when we heard, you know, he descended to the dead and you went, ah, okay, now I'm, I'm starting to, you know, when we, when we give that soundbite there, um, but also, like, like, throughout history, there are people who have died for their faith that have held to this creed and paid with their life. Um, there are people who experience glorious victory who have held to this creed and, and, um, Uh, there are church there's the church that faces persecution there is the church that is thriving there is the church that is uh, yeah um, so we join together literally with believers throughout history and throughout the world when we say this and I think that's powerful Um, and I want that to really I would love for that to hit us hard um, as we say this and uh, so Can we can we can we do it early? Can we lead us in in the prayer, or do you have like a special thing? Out of order.
0: Yeah, 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 we can do that. I think we have the technology. All right, I approve.
1: Okay, so let if can we stand, and let's conclude our. um, We've got we've got songs left, but this is we'll conclude our our series here, and and we'll say this um, together. I believe in God the Father Almighty. and he will not in to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins,
0: the resurrection of the body,
1: and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, we are... Uh, I, We, we are... in in many ways, and not all bad ways, but just we are in a very, very individualistic time in history. Um, And uh, sometimes that can produce deep loneliness, or it can produce arrogance, as if we might think that all of time in history has existed to give us me, or us, or that we are somehow recreating something, or we're doing something new, or we're on the cutting edge, or we are I, or whatever, and... Thank you not only for uh, your word, for scripture, where we see um, things like this creed about Jesus, that he is before all things, that all things are created in him and for him and through him, um, but also this statement of belief that early followers may have even given their life to claim. Um, And so uh, may we examine these beliefs. May they shape us. May they cause us to worship things, to worship you beyond our personal preferences. May they cause us to worship you beyond uh, our, um, uh, even some of our earthly passions. May they put you in proper perspective so when we face differences of opinion, when we face things that are earthly kingdoms, that we uh, have more of an open hand, that our hope is, is more fully rested in you. Um, And yeah, I pray that this would continue to shape us when we say these words. I believe um, that you would just work on our hearts. Encourage us in the areas where we have fear or anxiety. Soften us in the places where we have hurt or bitterness. And continue to shape us as your people bearing the image of Jesus in this world for your glory. And we ask all of this In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Building our identity in Christ for the sake of the world. That's the mission of Refuge Church. For more information, visit us online at seekrefuge.net.